Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, a podcast that reviews every minute of the 1971 film classic starring Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm delighted to have my usual co-hosts, Tim. Hello. And Trent. Hello. And returning super guests, Bartek. Hello, listening people. And a man from Cranbourne, currently, Will. Hello, people of the listening. I'm Will. Well, today, very meaningfully, we have the last minute. Minute 99. The minute continues with rolling credits and ends a scant 15 seconds later. What did you think of this minute, Bartek? You know, it went by so quickly, it almost feels like 17 seconds. <laughs> well, it's 15 seconds, but I couldn't only capture, as previously explained, 17 minutes uh, seconds, unfortunately. What did you think of this this minute, Tim? Um, it's okay. You like the old WB sort of water well, tower almost? I like flutter. the yellow font used mm. on... It's very thick. Makes you hungry? And I like that it doesn't go to black. It, it, you know, nowadays... When it, as soon as things go to black, you just walk out of the cinema because <laughs> no one pays attention to the credits. I'd like to say this was filmed in the hills of wherever they filmed MASH, but unfortunately it's not. <laughs> it's, it's the Bay Area. Did you try and go there, John? I did, but just time was my enemy. I thought, uh, I don't really want to devote half a day to getting there by public transport and back, but maybe I should have just Ubered it. But yeah, what did you think of these wonderful credits, Will? I like them. They're nice. They're nice credits. You know, you got the. They're not over a you know a black screen or anything. It's over the nice zoomed out shot. That you know, nice thick golden yellow text, and uh, you know they're they're quick. So even if you didn't like them, it's like well they're not sticking around too long. So you know, it is refreshing. Like most credit sequences these days, uh, you know, like five minutes, and the only thing that's really keeping you there is like maybe the one or two uh, production people that you might be interested to know about or if the song is playing that you happen to like um but for this one it's just hey here's the cast which which i think is what most people would be interested in and that's the end literally the end who's sergeant reinick reinicky or reinick he's one of the police officers that when charlie russell's only five years old and you briefly see him lead harry to the body of Charles Davis. Oh, I see. Very minor character. Do they name him? Do you, how do you know? You know that? the guy who's on the roof? Yeah. Who's reporting out? Yeah. He goes, it looks like an odd six. Sergeant Reinecke, Sergeant Reinecke. Oh. <laughs> I did look it up many years ago, and I think Reinecke is some mythical character, Germanic or Teutonic name in some Brothers Grimm movie, but evidently it's a surname as well. Sorry for mentioning the Germans, um, Bartek. I thought this minute would be difficult. So I have some some fun questions, Tim, of like the movie. You happy? You excited to hear them? <laughs> you just switched to a Scorpio type voice there. <laughs> He's my favourite character in this movie. Hubba hubba hubba. Number one, 
Bartek, how long do you think it is before our cuddly liquor proprietor gets back his stolen Luger? Do you reckon he ever gets it back? Did, did Scorpio have a gun in this ending sequence? Oh, yes, he did. And it would have been that gun, right? <laughs> that was the gun? Was it? That was the gun, yeah. the Luger, yeah. What was the fate of the gun? Oh, he, he was reaching for it just when he got shot, right? Mm. He had the kid hostage. Yeah, 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 and I don't think it's in the pool of water. No. I'm pretty sure it would be on the landing deck somewhere. Yeah, yeah. just before he gave that look of, uh, you're not going to shoot me. If the, I mean, as we know from the novelization, the chief is going to get a report about this incident, um, which means that the police will investigate. He and- may have to subpoena that from Harry because Harry's quit the force. He's not going to voluntarily give a statement. Yes, but when they investigate, they'll take any evidence they find, and that gun, I would assume, would be evidence. So, does evidence like that go back to who it originally belonged to, or does it go to, like, an evidence locker? Well, that's the question. In uh, the Rock movie Walking Tall, he literally grabs his wooden gun, his wooden wooden baseball bat or whatever from the judge when he's acquitted and just runs off with it. <laughs> so, it can happen pretty quickly. I think that happens in the original Walking Tall oh. as well with um, Joe Don Baker. Um, I think he does the same thing in that, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Number two, Will, yep. the police department are very lucky in this movie in that their helicopter budget is just raised exponentially. Considering it didn't help one iota and find Scorpio... Do you reckon they've lost that budget? Or like every police or FBI, when they get funding increases, it never seems to go away. Do you reckon they're lucky? Do you reckon they're still hanging on to that? I reckon they hold on to them for a little while, a couple of years, and they're just using any excuse to get them. Like they just, someone gets a parking violation and like 10 helicopters just start circling overhead. But then once that, um, that petrol crisis kicks in in 73, it's like, mm. we're not even going to be able to keep one in the air, guys. <laughs> To be fair, they do find things, but they only have them inside for a little while, then they lose them. Man, they need to invest in paratroopers. Yeah. That's, they didn't spend enough money. Uh, getting the people off the helicopter. <laughs> they need to be able to see it jump out of the helicopter. Will they be smart enough to remember to keep someone in the helicopter so that it doesn't crash? No, they're just going to keep crashing. We have to buy a new one every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see the name Cobart, I think of Tasmania, Tim, don't you? Co-what? Co- Cobart. Ruth Cobart, who plays Marcella Platt, our bus driver. Sideshow Bob. Number three, Tim. And this question was found on a year 12 exam paper. Ooh. Is Harry Callahan just a slightly more aware Robocop? Discuss. I would assume that that year 12 media class studied both films. Otherwise, that would be a very poor question. Because look at the way he throws the badge. It's like mechanically he throws it, that shot of him going... (laughs) Yeah. Do we agree that it was a mechanical throw? Yeah, pretty robotic. It was a bit bit stiff. (laughs) A bit stiff. When he was on the track Quite a bit of spin on like throwing a rock. It wasn't... That mechanical. If someone were to do a modern day edit of it to have like a like a video game gauge of like increasing power and then it like fills and then he throws it, maybe then that would be a justification. <laughs> like it's a video game animation. I wonder if when he threw the badge, if it like skipped across the water. 
Because he had that kind of throw of it. There so is I a very got a skip. There's a very gentle splash where you can tell when it hits the water. I don't think it was like a. Do you think it'd be a good post-credit sequence seeing that badge yeah. still <laughs> going on the water? Or maybe like slowly <laughs> sinking. And then that kid from Cop and a Half, you know, when he goes, "I'm the one with the badge." And at the end of the credits, <laughs> at the end of the credits, at the bottom of the pool of water, and it's like next to Scorpio's dead body. I still think it would be good if there was a shot of Scorpio going, "Help me, help me, help me." <laughs> <laughs> Number four, something we brought up many minutes ago, just based on some, I think, IMDb message board, they kept saying that. Clark Griswold's model pool in vacation, you know, where he's still the remaining days he's got at work and he's he's showing his colleague the pool he will buy, like a little model of it when he gets his bonus. Yep. It's supposed to be based on the rooftop pool. Okay. You oh. saying that's bullshit? Like, why, how would that fit? Do you reckon, why would Warner Brothers have a, a, a dolled up, like, replica of a pool that was in a movie made 25 years beforehand? Prop? Prop? Maybe I don't know. Did they did they build that rooftop pool for the film or <laughs> May? I don't know. No, it's in the Holiday Inn Chinatown, still on the roof apparently. May yeah. May they're just really big fans of Dirty Harry. Do do the credits of that film have in the special thanks? I think they're it's animated, like, aren't they? The, it's a yeah. Warner Brothers film, but the yeah. Do, do the, the credits Christmas thank the crew of Dirty Harry or something? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> If anyone can find out whether, um, yeah, and also the rumour that this movie was shown to the Filipino police as a training manual, if anyone can validate that, <laughs> apart from just some random comments online, I'd, I'd really be interested to see if that's true. So, how, how's the wor- how's the music working for you, Tim, in this? We're not hearing it now, but it's a lovely yeah, haunting great. little it's, theme. It's Harry's theme, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's literally, yeah. I think, called Harry's theme. Yeah. Oh, cool. Suits so the... Somber mood, contemplative. Um, I don't know. You you walk out of this not really on a high as such, do you? Mm. Well, like we said, it's a very contemplative ending. Yeah. Uh, you said this is Harry's theme. Is that a recurring leitmotif throughout the other films, or is it just in this yeah. one? Famous in this movie itself, we see it also. Anne Mary Deacon's when she's being when the whole thing. Yeah, right. It's very somber there. Interestingly enough, it actually appears in the Sudden Impact, uh, the third, fourth, se- the fourth sequel, in a really shitty sort of um, 80s synth version trend. <laughs> and it happens. Wh- it happens in the middle of the movie when Harry's just got rid of the mid, the mid-level bad guys, <laughs> and it's zooming out like before the Sondra Locke stuff really happens. And like the saxophone, like the do do do, it's sort of been replaced with the saxophone. The Would Clint have played that saxophone himself? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he said, I'm trying to sexy it up. <laughs> it was David Bowie who played it. No. But, um, and that's the only time it pops up again. It just seems really tack, tacky in the 80s version in that scene. It's trying to go for just immediately, you know, pathos, remembering back to this. I guess I can kind of appreciate because, like, in other films that have iconic theme songs, they're the kind of things that you'd be, like, get pumped up when you hear it. Like, I don't know, like Beverly Hills Cop. Like, da, da, you want to, like, sing along with it. Um, I didn't know that that this character had a theme song, so it feels like a lot more subtle, uh, more purposeful in that way, I suppose. You'd hope that um, Dirty Harry's Bar and Grill at <laughs> Movie World would be playing this song. <laughs> is there a restaurant at Movie yeah. World? <laughs> okay. Will, I, I love this music, this theme, as short as it is, but 
are we supposed to be thinking more about Anne Mary Deacon, the other victims, or are we supposed to be thinking about Harry's horrible his life? Are we supposed to think, you know, oh, he's been short shrifted by the the, the bureaucracy after works for? It was a mixture of all those things. Are we supposed to think about Anne Mary Deacon at this point? Ooh, it's hard to say. I think it's a bit of both. I think you know this is a very it's a very bitter ending because it's like oh yes he's defeated the villain and everything but so many people have died avoidably at this point it's just ah, it's just it's really it's it's still it's still pretty tragic and I, I I don't think the focus is so much on oh Harry's being screwed over by the bureaucracy or anything it's more ah he just um you know the um trying to get uh trying to enforce the law yeah. and trying to get justice we're in conflict with each other and that's that's really sad how does harry get home hitchhike <laughs> <laughs> well i'm assuming trent you'd prefer this movie to end like being there where peter sellers sort of ascends up to heaven yeah maybe that harry could do that now he could he just uh he hops on another bus the roof again yeah is is there any poignancy? We were talking in the previous minute about how he walks left, to Alf's perspective right. Is there any poignancy to the fact that most of the quote-unquote life that we see in this frame is the cast to the right? Yeah, a lot of activity on the right of the screen. Actually, hold on. Now that I look at it closer, he's actually kind of walking upwards the middle. Like, he was walking to that direction, but, yeah, you see him in the very middle of the screen at the bottom, so he's heading... I hope he's going to check in Bartek with the kids in the bus, see if they're okay. You were very concerned about them in the previous minute, yeah. Imagine he traumatises the lady, the bus driver, and says, <laughs> drive, drive the Someone was saying in the previous minute that they're probably dead, so <laughs> it's nice that we're now considering them alive. <laughs> Maybe he will go to the diner and, hey, kids, hot dogs on the house, really. <laughs> John, from memory, this is quite remote, isn't it? In in real geography, I think yeah. Is it like thirty kilometers north of San Francisco? Oh, so San Mateo County. I think, I think it's like, oh. or maybe twenty or something. Forgive me if I've got this wrong to the locals, but you take the bridge, the Golden Gate, and then you go through those rainbow tunnels <laughs> through, through the mountains, and then it's called the like- Robin Williams Tunnel now. What the rainbow arch? Yeah. No, serious, yeah. In yeah, I, I remember that, actually. Yeah. What was it called before? He lived in this part of Marin County, I think, or maybe in the more posh areas. And I don't know. This is like the other side of the mountain, isn't yeah. it? Is that where they filmed that uh, thing he was in, when What Dreams May Come? Maybe, yeah. Because remember, there's a that bit, he, Oregon, he dies yeah. going into a tunnel, or his wife dies. Maybe. And it could be that. Oh, really? I just sorted that then. I have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know how specifically close to the, the tunnel it was, but. The one done by that Kiwi director, whatever his name. Anyway. While you guys are looking, I've got one of my great quotes from this time, the comedy film nerds. Real cops couldn't catch the Zodiac killer, but Harry blew that scumbag into a pond, then followed up by throwing his badge away because the badge means nothing if the man wearing it is restrained by do-gooder public officials. I hosted basic cable game shows, so I know about being restricted by suits who won't let me be too mean to stupid contestants. I feel your pain, Harry. Is this a fascist piece of shit movie, Bartek? No, and also his name isn't Zodiac Killer, it's Scorpio Killer. (laughs) One point to me. Then why is he just killer in the credits, Bartek? Yeah. Explain that. Because it's his last name. His name is Scorpio, his last name is Killer. Bit of IMDb fascination for you, Tim. Now, 
in the Blu-ray, it's accompanied with some um, per diem receipts from Clint about his wardrobe. And it says the sport coats. When it says sport coats, do you reckon that means the brown poo jacket? Yeah. Back then, 1971, it was $52.40, which now is like 330 bucks or something. We were talking before whether his costume is supposed to show that he's doesn't have much money, he's wearing shitty, shabby clothes, but that sounds pretty good for a jacket, doesn't it? 300 bucks of today's money? Well, I guess in today's um, value, it's mm. mid, mid-range. Just for a jacket, though, 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's a tight ass with his, his clothes. Well, he was protective of his pants, didn't want them cut. I mean, they were like two hundred some, and that's a lot of money back then. It says isn't red. It? it says red sweater, sixteen nineteen seventy one dollars, which is a hundred bucks today for that red sweater. Is this from one of those steal his look memes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you'd pay that money for something durable. Yeah. That isn't going to fall apart after two washes in a yeah. spin dryer. I'm a tight ass. I'm not. I'm not critiquing him. I'm just saying he's reasonably well priced. His uh, private life. And his professional life, he's not skimping on money. How do you know it's not police issue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, to, to address our latent sexism, we were upset about the fact that Scorpio is just called Killer. But I do notice that the bus driver is just called Bus Driver when she has a really? full name. Yeah, Marcella Platt. Was that or Marcella Platt. I thought that was Miss Willis. Who's Miss Willis? <laughs> Oh, Miss Willis, that's another thing. She's Mary, the secretary, uh-huh. who has two lines. You know, he's in there. Do you want some, Can I bring you some coffee? That yeah, lady? I think so. Either that or the Mary he talks to when he first come in. Yeah. So, unions were fighting for the wrong people for credits back then, or? I did Google. I was kind of curious at what point movie credits became what they are now, the long six-minute oh, yeah. ones. Oh, yeah, you learn? Well, they just said that the first ones... The first major films to contain extensive closing credits, um, but almost no opening credits, were Around the World in 80 Days, 1956, and West Side Story, 1961. Around the World has a lot of cameos, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder if that's linked to it. But then that was... was So does the Jackie Chan one. (laughs) But those are quite early. Like, those those were dated 50s and 60s, so... Yeah. Because did they freeze frame on or just show snippets... And around the world of all the actors? Maybe. I think on the VHS copy on some of them, it's got like heaps of them. Well, it says it had, um, it was very elaborate because it was animated. And yeah, right. Yeah, identified the actors. Because remember like the Blues Brothers at the end, you know, they're singing Jailhouse Rock. Sorry, spoiler, who hasn't seen the Blues Brothers? <laughs> they're singing Jailhouse Rock and then it cuts to, you know, all the like, you know, Aretha Franklin. Everybody in the whole song. And then, you know, then- Ray Charles is like, let's rock. And he's obviously rocking side to side. That sort of dragged it on. So, I'm wondering if it was like that. What well, says Superman also had a very long closing oh, sequence. Yeah, it Nearly did. eight minutes to end. That was a fucking long one. <laughs> did it have the cool theme music? It least? did the whole, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of tweed jackets, someone said, someone's written on IMDb or something that Bill Cosby was originally one of the, you know, people considered for Dirty Harry. What? Well, the main yeah. character. That would be a strange alternate timeline Is that right just based there. on his I Spy thing or something? Who knows? Well, being, yeah. Where did, I wonder where they got that from. Would he have still hated minorities? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd love the tweed, wouldn't he? That's the Simpsons version Sorry. of him, not the real version. And the hardcore porn and the Osbournes. Also, Stephen King 
Dark. Has anyone you've read his book, Stark Tower, based on the character on Dirty Harry? I haven't read his books. I've seen some of the films based on his books. All these things mean nothing to me most of the time because I haven't. I don't know what they are. But Wolverine, apparently Frank Miller, of course. We talked about Sin City. How he called one Nancy Callahan was one of the daughters. (laughs) And he, Wolverine was basically modelled on Eastwood. Is that true? Well, oh, I don't know because that's not his character. But you or is it just his his inspiration or probably something? Probably built like similar. They're both gruff, yeah. I guess. Probably like the gruff sort of mannerisms. I'd say. Yeah. Wolver- Wolverine's from Marvel, right? Yeah. 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 From the sixties. So what does Frank Miller have to do with it? Well, I think he wrote. Like he, he was he was a big writer on a lot of Marvel comic books, and he. On the yeah. actual comics. Yeah. I thought it was just a film guy. Like- oh, no, no, no. Then they made shit movies <laughs> of ah. his comics. <laughs> From memory, he, like, his sort of importance in the whole picture, not just that character, was he rejuvenated some storylines for Correct. some yes. popular characters that are sort of synonymous with that sort of dark 90s edge that still continues to this yeah. day. Basically responsible for Superman versus Batman. <laughs> 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 Dark Edge or whatever it's called. Because I, I know you mentioned now that, you know, Clint's retiring, uh, Hugh Jackman could do a, an Eastwood <laughs> maybe, and I thought I didn't quite know the well, He's background. musical, like Eastwood. Yeah. He can do Peter Allen. <laughs> I don't know if he plays a piano, but yeah, he shake those maracas. Bring out his sax. <laughs> <laughs> Bartek, where do you think Harry's off to now? Is there any chance he's going to drop in drop in with Chico and see he's all right and say, well, you screwed up, you know, you weren't good enough to be with me. But um, Or he's going to go to go to Chico's wife for a bit of uh, <clears throat> affair time. What's he doing? Um, I suppose to go way more generally, not so specifically, I think he would at least be heading back to the city. Because where else would he go? So the question is, what would he be doing in the city? Would he be going home? Would he be going to give his report that the chief isn't going to like? Or, is he going or? to the city? He hates the city that's encroaching. And but where these else? Miranda rights in a shack somewhere. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he's going out into the wilderness to re- to return to the wild, his natural habitat. <laughs> I mean, if if this to the world's... east woods. <laughs> <laughs> If this world was very similar to GTA San Andreas, the desert of Nevada wouldn't be very far. So maybe he's going there. <laughs> Try his luck at the casinos. Because <laughs> it's a very Western, a very American idea that there's a, a lone hero that comes into town to protect the townspeople and then he sacrifices himself and has to leave and just abandons the city. You know, that's Westerns 101. You, you've moved up in the world, uh, Bartek, spit in the... Spit and Polish podcast, you're actually reviewing some real classics? <laughs> <laughs> At times, yes. Have you done the searches or any famous, you know, John Wayne Westerns? Are they on your radar to do? Uh, no, but we, we do take requests, so we can definitely do them at some point. Do the searches, because a lot of people talk about that in relation to the Dirty Harry ending, and I've never actually seen it. What about um, his own trilogy, Man With No Name? Mm. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, the Searchers is great. You like if you're going to watch a John Wayne film, definitely watch that I one. I saw it forever ago Beautiful. on a flight, so I was tired, but so I can't really <laughs> say I've seen it. But technically, I have. The Searchers, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a John Ford thing. It's um, you know, you go to a different field when you walk in to a DVD shop. Sorry, they don't exist anymore. But once upon a time, when you did, um, 
you know, that was always one that was never in the collected box ah. sets and shit. So, you could tell that had saleability of its own. Outside of a genre, yeah. it was even Yeah. yeah. Mm. Just like The Last Samurai. True. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> one, one John Wayne movie I have seen, I was duty bound to do it, was the- the movie that the authors of this, the Finkies or the Finks wrote beforehand, Big Jake. Um, I think that was the script they turned in. Was that in. John Wayne or John Holmes? Sorry. <laughs> Big <laughs> Sorry. Jake. <laughs> There's a certain sort of filmmaker that definitely realised what you do is you have an adjective and then a short man's name. So, you've got Mad Max, Big Jake, Dirty Harry. I'm sure there's heaps more you can find that. Um Robocop. Robocop. (laughs) Robotic cop. Anyway, I could only sit through a bit of this one, the Big Jake, but immediately I saw a few parallels with Dirty Harry. There's a a ranch hand at the start who's called Chico, so (laughs) never throw away a funny name. And, of course, the main part of the movie is that someone's kidnapped, so the mother wants a bag man who's John Wayne uh, because she doesn't trust the regular cavalry, she says. But it's a pretty boring movie, really, because you have the big line John Wayne says is, whatever happens, I'm going to blow a hole in your head, which doesn't, nothing, nowhere near as good as do I feel lucky is it, Bartek. I mean, do, you, do you feel scared by John Wayne when you see him in a movie? Is he uh, commanding no, really. presence? I'm worried his toupee will fly off at times. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Everything just seems like a joke. It, it, that's what I feel. Pay, I'll blow your head off. <laughs> I, I think you kind of had to be there. Yeah, that's what I was literally about to say. I'm, I'm, I'm younger, so I mainly know him through like whose lines it anyway impressions. Yeah. So I think of like you know Ryan Stiles doing John Wayne yeah. rather than John Wayne himself. The searchers, I'd like, I'll, I'll defend him in that till the cows come home. But for the most part, I've got a distant relative by marriage who is a John Wayne fanatic and there's I've never seen it myself but for at least the last 30 years there's been talk of his John Wayne room <laughs> that he um he got divorced from his first wife and uh the John Wayne room did not get touched not, apparently there were a lot of valuable items in there but uh yeah in the divorce it, apparently it was just sort of a yep you can have all that <laughs> my my wife who's pregnant she is very great, grateful this podcast is now coming to an end and she, yeah, she to say she doesn't like Eastwood is an understatement of grand order. But even her, it's filtered into her life when I say goodbye, kiss her in the morning. She goes, bye-bye, Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have an Eastwood room yet. You don't get the big cup. So, sorry. <laughs> big cup. <laughs> if you're a cop. Is that because you keep saying that to her? Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> Um, my neighbor, he, what's it called? He's from Malaysia originally. And when he moved here, it's like, this was his favorite English movie. <laughs> so he's like, I'm just going to go by Harry now. And he's done that for like 20 years. Wow. So he speaks. <laughs> so not yeah, only did he go to English. the Philippines tra- police training, went to Malaysia too. <laughs> I actually don't know his real name. He doesn't really go by it anymore. He just goes by <laughs> Harry. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah, Big Jake, I don't recommend it. Pretty boring. I fast-forwarded through a lot of it, but I thought it'd be interesting to see what sort of script this husband and wife team were turning out before Dirty Harry. But it's just basically a classic Western, which John Wayne was familiar with. But, of course, Clint coming off the the spaghetti Westerns are like the next phase revisionist Westerns where, um, 
you know, good guys could be a little little bad and violence could be just a part of everyday life. Whereas in John Wayne, it's like if you have to have a righteous reason to be anger, you know, to be ang- to have anger at society and to be violent. But you had this, obviously it was originally offered to the likes of John Wayne and Paul Newman or perhaps a bit more in the old school, you know, good guys who do good things and don't deviate from that. I just, sorry, yeah. sorry, I just thought of something scary about John Wayne. You know that rumour about uh, when he died, what they found? No. Apparently a nine foot, uh, yes, shall we say feces bending through his intestines. What? Allegedly. <laughs> solid <laughs> nine foot of, yeah, it was, was in his bowels. Was constipated? Don't know. Was it from 20 sailors or something? <laughs> Who fucking knows? I don't, maybe he was doing those implant things you can do now to fix gut health. But um, Well, he died because of his vicinity to Chernobyl, right? So, Oh, not no, Chernobyl. It was Alamo, another- yeah. Something in Nevada or something, site. Yeah. yeah, in Nevada on the set of um, Genghis Khan. Like two thirds of them, yeah. Yeah. The, the film where he played Genghis Khan- yeah, um, I knew that. What, I, oh, I swear radiation. Was, yeah, there was, there was a site oh, really? where they filmed it. I always just assumed it was because of his smoking. Yeah. yeah. Consequences wow. from the radiation, but I- Oh. Maybe I'm- No, I don't Okay. I remember the radiation, two, I guess. Two thirds of the cast and crew all got cancer within- and died within 20 years of the film being wow. made. Yeah. And and those that didn't big turds? Uh, wow. <laughs> well, no, the ones that did die- Well, the one- That famous actor guy, Wayne Johns or whatever. Wayne Johns. John Wayne Bobbitt. Um- Big Jake. Big Jake, indeed. So, of course, the original version of this script was written in the classic Western sort of style, and they're expecting someone like Paul Newman or maybe John Wayne. He always said he was offered the role to be this part. But now you've got Clint Eastwood, who's famous for these revisionist Westerns. They had to change the script a bit, so Dean Reisner came in and changed it. So, you have Harry, who's obviously right to be angry. He has righteous anger against Scorpio. But he's also angry at the system. Whereas in the searches, John Wayne realizes, oh, I have no place here. I've got to leave. You know, I've defended the villagers from the Indians. Race. So, but in here, he's disgusted with the system and he quits. So, yeah. But then he comes back for more in number two. He does. To our eternal chagrin. You like some of the sequels, don't you, Tim? Oh, uh, the second one's good. <laughs> have you seen them? You've seen them all? Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. I hadn't seen three, four, and five properly um for a long time until about maybe two or three years ago yeah yeah and then i actually sat through them and they did get sort of worse as they went they, they work kind of standalone don't they like i yeah, think that was the yeah. intention like i mean yes you see the chief come back in the third one but there's no real history you, you know yeah i did have a good chuckle was it in the deadpool with the fortune cookie <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a shit out of luck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit better of a catchphrase than the enforcer. Marvellous. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> Do you have any last thoughts, Bartek? We'll never talk about him again. Scorpio. Is he, in the words of Mad Max, a terminal psychotic, a terminal crazy? I I, I like him. You asked the question in the last episode and I didn't get to answer. Um, I, I think that he's a good villain, not just because you can have a villain that's just straight up, you know, evil, a uh, force to be reckoned with, but um, also because he he's a good villain for Harry to go up against. You know, he, nothing to do with his past. It's a villain that uh, Harry has to go out of the means of the law to defeat. Um, and yeah, you don't need a deep backstory for him, as we said with, you know, modern day films. 
Um, it, it just works with the simplicity of the characterization rather than giving them, you know, character arcs to develop, things like that. And you, Tim, is he the best cinema psychotic since Kevin Arnold in the Wonder Years, just staring blankly <laughs> at his mum while she asks him questions for about a minute before responding? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I do think he really played that. <laughs> Would you want him to team up with the villain from, like, Blue Velvet? <laughs> <laughs> Inhaling his... Animal nitrate. <laughs> oh, no, he did play someone very unhinged very well. Yeah. Like, it was, yeah. And I suppose being unknown, at you know. Yeah. As yeah. well as helped. He had, like, an unsettlingly, uh, unsettlingly youngish face, too, for... That's right. Crazy, you'd think, yeah, yeah. like, more middle-aged, I guess. I got, I got a random fact here. Ooh. Uh, the Dirty Harry films made their high-definition debut in Ooh. 2008 on Blu-ray as a box set, the Dirty Harry collection. The only one at the time with the initial launch to be available on its own was the Deadpool. <laughs> so, I don't know what that says. Second, that- Will, what's the, what was the box set you were telling me about? Oh, what did you got? I was trying to find the original Dirty Harry on DVD, Blu-ray. Just, I ended up getting it from the library. But um, I was going through JB and I, I see this, the Clint Eastwood collection, and it's got a great big picture mm. of Dirty Harry on the front. I'm like, oh, this is it. From, from this is it. Dirty I'm Harry, set. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's the one from the famous, uh, you know, the bit of the bank robbery. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. And I turn around the back and, you know, it's um, it's, um, it's the um, uh, Where Eagles Dare and then uh, the Clint Eastwood one with the, um, I think, the Chimps or the Orangutan. Or- Orangutans, please. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't seen that one. Um, and, and then it's like the, th- I think it's the third or maybe the <laughs> fifth Dirty Harry. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Or maybe both. <laughs> it's not the just Deadpool, random. but it, and it's not the second one, but it's, it's one of the others. So, so not Dirty Harry, not Magnaforce. It's no, one of the bottom three. Might've been false advertising there. Cause the, the picture <laughs> looks like it's from one, but it's, I think it's. Like, do you feel lucky punk or whatever? Yeah. 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 Tim, do we have time for one more theory? On crackpot theory. It depends what the theory is. Do you think the rooftop pool sniper, Scorpio, do you reckon the rest of the movie, it's just a copycat, Andy Robinson, that we're seeing? <laughs> oh. Because on the roof when he's shooting the, the black guy and the Pashmina man, it seems like a different person almost. Like he's nervous, he gets fluttered. Um, well, you don't really see him, do you? No. You just sort you of just see... see the scope and maybe yeah. his hair. No, nah, do you I reckon think, it's a copycat, Andy Robinson? I think that's a crock of shit. Crock of shit. <laughs> All right, big. Line You're really scraping that. the barrel. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Will? Do you like Do you like this movie? A previous guest said it's just about a cop with a big gun that goes bang bang. I I like movies about a cop with a big gun that goes bang bang. That sounds That sounds bloody great. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I like this movie. I've um, yeah, no, I I rewatched it last night. Um. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's very rewatchable. Because Trent said he liked the atmosphere more than anything when you first saw it. Mm, absolutely. the plot and the acting, it was just the yeah. 70s feel, yeah? Well, just the look of it, uh, what we were talking about earlier, looked lived in, mm. a lived in world and um, I loved that sort of haze that's mm. in the north, well, as I've gotten older, I've understood it's it's a look we don't have in the southern hemisphere, really. And it captures the city very well. Yeah. In that time period. Yeah, yep. I love all the scenes where, you know, Clint Eastwood's just running at night with no music playing in the background. It just, yeah, it just feels so cool. Pretty raw. Mm. Yeah. 
One one thing I really like about the movie, and this may be a strange thing to pick up on, but I really like when it's dark in this movie. Like, it's right proper dark. Like, there are parts where, it, you know, it's hard to see what's going on. I like it. I think it works. When, it, when it's night, it's night. Not that sort of the fake movie night you see sometimes. Yeah. Day for night shooting is off. Do you think without the sequels it would have been as enduring? Like, would people, because it's kind of... when people, I think no, yeah. I don't think it would not, have been. Yeah? Like, people would have just gone out of public consciousness. Everyone, Everything gets jumbled and now, you know, yeah. we have to listen to countless yeah. people going, oh, is this the one where he says, make my day? Yeah. Or is this the one where he says, marvel... Mm. Well, no, no one's ever said, is that the one where he says, marvelous? <laughs> Bad catchphrase, but yeah. And people, people, get- people don't think of the... Five, six bullets or whatever. Yeah. Six bullets. Yeah, Literally right. two days ago, I was telling my mum, like, yeah, I'm going on the Dirty Harry podcast again. It's like, Dirty Harry, is that the one where he says, make my day? And I'm like, no, no, that's... <laughs> well, I was hoping your mum would say, Brudne Harry. Brudne oh. Harry. <laughs> if you could change one thing about this movie, Tim, I just say one small little, rather than just make it a modern movie, you know, Nickelback soundtrack and boo-boo explosions and stuff. If you could change one small thing about it to... It's no secret my one is the... My one is the suicide jumper scene. I get rid of that and just have a scene of Harry in his apartment watching the tap drip or something like Morgan Freeman. I thought yours was the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Trent's turned me around on that. I quite like that. What's which the, the helicopter, helicopter shots? <laughs> yeah. If you could get rid of one scene or something, I don't know. Anything in particular? Anyone here? It's a pretty lean film. Very it lean. doesn't have that much um, fat. There's one performance that I was a bit iffy on, and it's it's kind of funny because I I don't think it's too strong. It's the the doctor who tells them where Scorpio lives. I feel like he delivered his lines a bit too you know stiffly mechanically. Anything for you, Will? Hmm. Oh, hello, cat. Um. Hmm. Oh, while while Will thinks, um, my one. Suggestion would probably be, and I've mentioned this before, combine the chief and mayor into one yeah. character because after watching it five times, which they I was sort still, of do in the sequels, yeah, yeah, I was still a bit sort of, I don't know, it's not clear who's got the authority. Um, I think it's a pretty well paced film. I think all the scenes in it contribute something, even if they're not moving the plot along. Um, maybe, maybe I'll add a scene. Maybe, maybe another one where he goes to the diner and gets his usual dinner. <laughs> I don't know if um, you want something to happen there, if you just want it to be like a a scene where he's all alone eating his hot dogs for dinner. But uh, I don't know, maybe add something. Eating scene? I mean, today Miranda rights are so well known that you probably, you couldn't get away with a whole scene about that where Harry says, what do you mean? What do you mean Miranda rights? Everyone, that's drilled into people through popular culture now. So you'd have to replace that with another scene of him being, I don't know, being caught unsurprised by the... Maybe just the depravity of Scorpio rather than the, the weakness of the laws. They'd probably have a, um interrogation scene, wouldn't they? Yeah. I, was re-watch- I rewatched City Heat, just sort of like a parody of Dirty Harry in a way. Burt Reynolds plays a private eye in the 20- 30s or whatever, and Clint's like in another role. And there's a scene where they're trying to torture a suspect to get evidence, but it's a really quick scene. And Burt Reynolds just strikes a match as if he's going to burn him with a match or something. I wonder if that's like a little a nod to this movie. Yeah. Maybe we could have had a scene what a lot of uh, Dirty Harry's fellow cops think of his methods. Because, you know, we got the top brass's opinion. We've got uh, Chico's opinion. I don't know. Maybe just the general police force. I don't know. If we're just adding stuff. 
you don't really have to, but I mean, you know, if you're chucking it in. Yeah, I, I think the film's fine as it is, honestly. Just that one performance was a bit weak, but even then I found it a bit funny. We forgot to mention last minute the people often talk about the ending, these ending scenes in relation to High Noon, the Western with Gary Cooper, where he also throws his badge on the ground. He's trying to get like, he's trying to get the whole town to help him protect them against this killer who's coming back to town, presumably to wreak vengeance. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of find ways of saying, oh, I don't want to get involved or just leave and he'll leave because he's got a personal vendetta against you, Sheriff Gary Cooper. And no one steps up except for him. And in the end, he goes away with Grace Kelly, his wife, and he just sort of flippantly just his badge. He lumps it in the dirt, almost like, I don't need this anymore. And it's often re- uh, name-checked with this. Have you seen that movie, Tim? I have. I it's a great film. It's really good. You guys seen it? No. It's, um, it's a Western, but it's not like the John Wayne type, and it's all pretty much real time. So huh. 90 minutes or whatever, and he's, yeah, he, he's this bad guy's coming to get revenge or something to the town, and so... It's him sort of running around trying to get help. I think, I think I've heard the name High Noon used in, like, pop culture. Like, I guess it has a, yeah, a I, meaning there. I, I think it's reasonably well known. And Gary Cooper is sort of like Eastwood, tall, gangly guy, doesn't have a great range. But he's not, from memory, he wasn't very confident. In, no, in being he's sweating to, a lot yeah. like Harry does. A through line, like, Lloyd Bridges is his deputy who once goes, give me, make me the sheriff and I'll stand up. But he, he realises you're too juvenile, you're not ready, you're not a man yet. So, he has a fight with him in the barn or whatever. And it's sort of like, that's a diversion. It's sort of comparable to the Miranda rights thing. Like, that's just a diversion to the real fight, the real enemy. Don't worry about that. We need to deal with Scorpio. Yeah. Well. At the end. We're at the end. Ooh, do you still enjoy this movie, Tim? I do, yeah. It's great. Classic. I have a question. So, in the process of doing this podcast, how often did you have to re-watch the film? Was it, it wasn't like once before every session, right? I haven't watched the movie in its entirety since maybe Christmas last year. I think I watched it again. Okay. Yeah. So, I know- You mean like a month ago, right? No, no, a year in that. <laughs> Okay. I've watched this film in my life maybe a hundred times easy, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I've only watched it the three times for when I've come on the podcast and, you know, each time it's been a good experience. The first time, obviously, first viewing of a great film. Second time, wow, this really holds up. And then the third time is, it held up last time. I'm really keen to watch it again. And yeah, all three times are really great. And also, you know, because I had to focus on different things each time I came on, I wanted to see the film in its entire context again, in context of the scenes I'm going to talk about. So I was always paying attention and, you know, noticing nice little things. I think, yeah, I think it really holds up well. I think it's going to become a regular film I'll watch, I reckon. Right. Chuck it in the rotation, I reckon. We've convinced someone. You'll you'll eventually get that box set and get... Number, number three and four or whatever. <laughs> get, in the, get in the box set that's just five copies of the Deadpool. <laughs> But even though you like the movie Bartek and Will, mm-hmm. do you think we wasted Tim? Well, not Tim Trent and I, but some of us wasted sixty hours of our life. Tell me, I, I got to know. If you had a good time, then who's anyone to say that you've wasted your time? So I guess the 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 question is: Did you have a good time doing Dirty Harry Minute? I did. I loved it. Tim, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd 
buy into the minute by minute format completely. But if there's a film, there's not many films I would actually bother talking about minute by minute. There was never any point where you said, man, we should have done this film minute. It was always like, Dirty Harry was a good idea. Yeah, I think so. Do you think you'll ever watch it again in its entirety, Tim? Or oh, yeah. You need a full I, I actually haven't been watching, really watching it while we've been doing this because I don't really want to <laughs> ruin it in a way. Um, who, do you, who would you recommend Dirty Harry to? Like, would a millennial like this movie? Anyone who keeps raving on about Joaquin Phoenix as the joke. <laughs> I mean, Will and I are millennials, but I, I guess we do like film and we are open to watching many different kinds. We don't have too much bias, so... I'll give anything a go, pretty much. Yeah, so, I don't know, maybe there are a lot of people who make up their minds very easily. If something in this film, like, you know, doesn't work for them, that, you know, might be an instant no. Like, I recently did a film on my podcast called Tokyo Godfathers, the Japanese animated Christmas film, which is very good, but it's got a very confused sort of uh, identity for one of its characters who might be trans, but they might be gay. And, you know, there might be some people who are really sensitive to that and, like, immediately turn off the film, not watch it, even though it's a very good film. So, and this is a, you know, 70s film that, you know, doesn't really take any... uh, sensitivities like there's a whole, there's one scene where they list off you know oh, he hates this he hates that it's got slurs in it so there might be some people who might just go instantly like oh it used that word i'm out so if if someone if anyone listening to this is not like that you know i could recommend the film to them john i think is it fair to say about half the guests probably laugh at certain elements of this film oh yes a lot some of them say andy robinson is a pretty bad actor yeah, people think he's cartoon villain. For that reason, I think he's very good. Um, people don't like the lack of depth on whole for Harry. They want to know more about him, but maybe that's just a modern preconception. Mm. Once again, is it Silent Rivers Run Deep or Dead Inside, Dead Wife? We don't. Yeah, I'd say this movie is great for jaded police officers, hot dog aficionados, Scotch tape salesmen. Not so great for people who scare easily, <laughs> neighbourhood watch enthusiasts, or lovers of constitutional amendments. I think he's referencing the film, like, <laughs> like individual right, elements right. from certain scenes. What about you, Trent? Final sort of words on this movie? Maybe particularly, is it fascist? Is it like, quote, adolescent strongman crap? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Copaganda. <laughs> Copaganda. It it is, but you know, it's also entertainment. And if you think about when it came out, very confronting that uh you know, the policeman was a very respected member of the community in most places and here we go looking at them perhaps not being perfect. Yeah, starting the film honouring police officers. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this is a time where their reputation is going down and victims' rights are going up. Like California gets rid of the death penalty. Charles Manson's in that sweet spot where he's not put to death and it looks like everything's Mm. going away. Zodiac killer on the loose. Yeah. Well, any last thoughts, Will, on this movie? Um, In the bit where uh, Harry and... uh Chico, accidentally, they they mistake that uh, the gentleman with the tan bag going down the thing, and they um, people get in front of him on the zebra crossing. Does Harry say w- w- something to the effect of "Watch where you're going, Hammerhead"? Hammerhead. Oh, that that cracked me up, <laughs> and I, I was like, "Did he actually say Hammerhead, or am I just imagining that?" 
Yeah, no, he really said that. <laughs> Is that a reference to like their head shape or like <laughs> their haircut? It's just after that. Now, Bartek, I believe you may have a quote for us to end this podcast. I don't know if quote's the right word, but I have a thing. While you're getting it ready, I have one I prepared earlier based... Everyone's sick of these Twilight Zone um, wrap-ups, but here's mine while you prepare, uh, Bartek. Of course, we all know cops don't really violate Miranda rights, and they certainly do not commit murder. But to a city caught in the middle of turmoil, conflict, and municipal inertia, a cop can become many things. Friend, defender, guardian. Especially a cop like Dirty Harry Callahan, who did violate Miranda rights, and who did commit murder in the bright sunlight of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> you know, you, you, were, you were saying that your American accent isn't very good, but it's very consistent, and I'm, I don't have any confidence in American accent, so forgive me. You can do Polish if you like. <laughs> this is December. <laughs> This is December 1971, the aftermath of a Smith and Wesson party. The killer's name, Scorpio, a compendium of unlikely criminal types, and the elusive taker of countless human lives, yet for all his rampant and reckless chaos, he faced no justice at the hands of his direct opposition, the law, who saw fit to release him and make him a righteous victim. The solution to this madness lay somewhere between good and evil, where right and wrong answered to a different authority. No comment on his death save for this. Justice can span a one and a half hour Warner Brothers film, and retribution is never subject to a court order in the Twilight Zone. We've done it. Many thanks, Tim and uh, Thank Trent, you. my long suffering co host. <laughs> yes, Spartek and Will. Um, please go out and watch Dirty Harry if you haven't already. Start your own Minute by Movie podcast if you like the idea and you have a favourite movie. Um, please like and subscribe on Facebook. I think um, uh, we should say congratulations to you, John. Yes. For lasting every minute. <laughs> Something yep. that none of us could do. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's a possibility we may be back um yeah. Film by film for the sequels, and I'd, I'd say probably likely. Yes, please, not not minute by minute, just no. minute. Oh god, no! <laughs> Fuck, kill me now. Just um, like a half hour summary <laughs> and then an audio commentary style thing. Sh- yeah. Shout out to any fans, Todd. Shout Todd. out to Todd. Who else? Austin Pond. We have Walt Murray at the Wilder Ride podcast. Um, we have a whole lot of people. I'm forgetting now. Daniel Thompson, who likes to wear. Um, what does he like to wear? Uh, Hawaiian shirts, yep. Um, everyone who's reached out to us, people I'm forgetting. Karen Sims. Oh, yes. So Karen. nice. Karen Sims, thank you very much. Um, that's it. I'd just like to end with a quote from Clint Eastwood, Bronco Billy. A message to all our partners out there. Finish your oatmeal at breakfast. Do as your mom pa tell you, because they know best. Don't ever tell a lie and say your prayers before they go go to bed. As a friend south of the border say, Adios amigos on Dirty Harry This podcast contains spoilers for Dirty Harry. <laughs> and here's to you, Andy Robinson. You played such a maniacal hero. Liberace is the role for you. And Star Trek 2. 
to Garak. We'd like to know a little bit about your backstory. For our screenplay, what rock you crawled out from. Look around you, all oh, you see are victims there to take. Stroll around Cisco, the mischief you can make. And here's to you, Andy Robinson, Miranda Escobedo, they set you free. Harry stood on your knee. Where have you gone, Inspector Callahan? The nation turns its lonely eyes to you. The courts want proof, but it's all true. And here's to you, Andy Robinson. You played such a maniacal hero. Liberace was the role for you Star Trek 2 Star Trek 2 Garrick Hide yourself in a stadium where no one ever goes What's that you say? You're not crazy Just a part you're playing Your career starting out There'll be juicier parts, your agent says no doubt And here's to you, Andy Robinson We like everything you do It's all true You and Eastwood made the perfect horror movie We watched every minute through Least we could do God bless you please, Andy Robinson You played such a great villain role Evening. Yeah. All right, so cold tonight. Makes you want to be a boilermaker, huh? How the hell would you know? I was pounding the beat when you were still peeing in your pants. Because I used to freeze my ass off right on the same street. So many times I thought about becoming a boilermaker. See, I was a hotshot like you. Didn't have any respect for the badge or the uniform. I got my own business now. You know what I'm doing? I'm still freezing my ass off and taking a lot of flack from a snot-nosed rookie like you. Uh, I'm sorry. Ain't we all? <laughs> 